Let's distill your parenting down to one word. We have to choose the word that best describes your relationship with your children and also incorporates your accountability before God as a parent. So what's the one word that defines your relationship with your children? It's over. You are over your children. You have a God-ordained role of leadership in their lives. In fact, parenting is leadership wrapped in love. Now let's talk about what that means for you and your children. My name's Kelly J. Grace, and you're listening to Divine Connections, a podcast about connecting the truth you believe to the life you really live. And this is the third in a seven-part series called Seven Words That Define Your Relationships. We're honing in on those little prepositions, those words that describe how we relate to God and to others in our life. So today, we're going to talk about your role as a parent and the word that defines your relationship with your children. Listen in. You know, as Christian parents, you can talk to them about the scriptures that they rely on in terms of parenting, and you'll hear a surprisingly short list of options from them. Probably number one on the hit list is Proverbs 22.6. That tops the, the parade of all-time favorite verses about parenting for Christian parents. And it says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, the thing I want you to remember is something I heard my husband point out years and years ago in a sermon. He said he wanted us to all remember that that is a principle and not a promise. It's not a a direct promise of you do this and this will always happen. It is a principle. That's what the Proverbs are. They are what the Bible scholars call wisdom literature. And so sometimes there is a little bit of hyperbole in there, but more than usual, it's it's a principle that they're talking talking about. That's what you'll find described in many of the Proverbs. And we've got a couple more coming up here in our list of the top verses that parents cling to, really, <laughs> in the um, hectic, heroic days of parenting. So next up on our list would be Proverbs 29, 17. That says, discipline your son and he will give you rest. Now, what parent doesn't want that? He will give delight to your heart. Again, that is a principle, not a direct promise. Now we come to the New Testament, Ephesians 6, 1 to 4. And of course, you're going to hear every parent stand up and applaud with the first line. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And we all go, yay, hooray for that one. Then it says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on the earth. So that's directed at children, isn't it? It's their part of the equation. And then verse 4 tells us, Fathers, do not exasperate or frustrate, is another version, your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now we come to, again, another passage from Proverbs. 
Proverbs 13.24 Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Now, when I was a young mom, I read that word discipline and it always had an equal sign with correct, you know, or whatever, a timeout, a swat on the hand, whatever. It was always about correction. And yet that is the smallest part of this word. This this whole idea of nurturing and disciplining our children, training them up, those things have a great deal to do with um, the the words, the instruction, the admonition that we give to our kids, and also then that we follow up with that. So I just want to acknowledge up front that, you know, God assumes we will love our children. He assumes we will feed them, we will protect them, we'll provide for them. But most of the scriptural admonition to us as parents is really focused around the need that our children have for us to discipline them, to train them. And, you know, years ago when I did a word study on this, I found that that word train has a military aspect to it uh, in terms of the repeated instruction and then the oversight Um, the way if you think of soldiers being taught how to drill, how to march or whatever. And so there's a sergeant out there over and over again, repeating the instruction and then watching as they do it and then repeating the instruction again to make sure that they get it right, that they learn this basic thing. And that's really very much a picture of what we are to do as parents. We are to repeat the instruction if necessary, and it's usually always necessary. And then we are to exercise that oversight. That is to see that our children do learn what we're teaching them, that they comply with the instructions that we're giving them. So to teach them both by instruction and then by the power of a living example. So we're also to model the things that we teach to our children. But I I have this question for you. What is your primary goal as a Christian parent? And maybe more importantly, is that God's primary goal for your parenting? Because we want to make sure those two things are aligned, that we are on the same page with God. We are trying to accomplish the same thing that He is asking us that he is expecting us to accomplish. Now, I want to confess that so much of my parenting when my kids were young was really designed to try and make my life as a mother easier. That's embarrassing to say, but I look back and think it's true. The rules that I made and the way I enforced them were very much about curbing messes and the noise and about limiting the chaos. And, you know, there, not that there was anything wrong with trying to teach my children to pick up their toys or to stop running through the house, but the laughing and the squealing that that went on as they kind of rambled over the sofa and the furniture and then ran down the hallway or jumping on their beds or hiding in the closets, that 
that really was them just being kids. And my rules about all that stuff was not were not really motivated by their benefit as much as for my sanity and, sadly, my convenience. It's what I heard. Um, I, actually, I was reading Risen Motherhood, and in it, in a chapter, Laura Whiffler calls it this. She says, it's a misplaced worship of my own comforts and control. A misplaced worship of my own comforts and control. It's like she was there in my house when my kids were young, <laughs> watching me, and she, you know, she's calling me out on it. She's saying, that's not the best motivation for your parenting as a Christian parent. You know, I wish I had had back then a loftier motivation, something more like the one that Paul expressed to the Galatians. This is Galatians 4.19. Paul says, My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. Well, unlike Paul, the spiritual good of my children wasn't always my main concern in our daily routine. It was much more often my concern for my own sanity and for my own convenience. And now, you know, every time I walk through a Christian bookstore, or even if I browse on Amazon in the Christian book, especially the Christian parenting section, I am just amazed at the huge number of books that there are on Christian parenting. Now, that's a new development from, you know, 50 years ago when I was a new Christian parent. But the truth is, if you walk up and down the aisles, you'll see that there's discipline-based parenting and there's grace-based parenting. There's a parent-centered approach or a child-centered approach. There's the idea of shepherding or the idea of shaping your children. And the potential options for how you would choose to parent and all of this information that's out there, the options really are almost limitless. And the problem is that a whole lot of what you read out there, the counsel is very confusing, and I'm not sure at all that it actually is aimed at getting you to have the same motivation in your parenting that God has for you. And we mentioned that earlier, that Christ be formed in our children, not that they always be quiet, that it's like that old thing, children should be seen and not heard. No, that's not what we're saying. We want to know that our focus first and foremost in our parenting is about our children's spiritual well-being and more than anything that they come to know the true and living God and that you and I give them a roadmap for how to build that relationship, how to cultivate a true and genuine lifelong friendship and relationship with God. That's really job number one for us. Now, some of you had great parents who literally demonstrated how it's done. And you've lived it throughout your whole childhood, and you just almost soaked it in by osmosis. You have it on tape, so to speak, in your own minds, and you can benefit from a replay whenever you feel the need of a refresher course. You can close your eyes and think back 
How did mom and dad handle this? You've got it right there. But you know, others of you had terrible parents. There's no other way to say it. They were distracted, self-absorbed, or even negligent and mean. And you don't have a clue about how to get the job done. But you know, regardless of your background and the parenting that you personally experienced, God has put you over your children. His expectation is that you will follow His example. You'll do what He does for you. You will provide and protect and nurture and train your children. And you'll do it all in His love and with the intention of doing everything you can to see that Christ is formed in your children. He expects you to be the grown-up, the one who's able to defer your own gratification and to serve others with a self-sacrificing love. He gave you the indwelling Holy Spirit and the Holy Scriptures to help you in leading your children. You're over them, but you're not in this alone. He didn't leave you to your own devices in either figuring out how to do it or carrying it out. He gave you authority. Yes, he put you over your children. And your authority is derived from God himself. But you know, he has expectations of how you'll use it. And I want to remind you of this, that one day, you will stand before Christ at what the Bible calls the Bema Seat, where crowns are conferred on the faithful and where His own commendation may be awaiting you. That well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Master. You know, that accountability that you have to Him right now for the way you exercise your authority over your children, the way you conduct yourself as a Christian parent, I pray that that idea of a future accountability to Him will keep you motivated to give this job your very best, to not give in <laughs> to the desire, you know, as Laura Whiffler said, for comfort and control, because those things, that's not what this is about. This is about God having put you in a position, really, to do something for Him. Until that day that you stand before Him, I want you to remember that He gave you children as a gift, literally as a trust. Um given to you by God, and it's a reward from Him. Giving you children is really an expression of the faith He has placed in you. The challenge of raising them, now that will help shape Christ in you. And in turn, you are to be a channel of God's love and grace, of His truth and His power as you help shape Christ in your own children. Now, I want to give Shel Silverstein the last word. He was my son's favorite author when he was growing up. All those great books like Where the Sidewalk Ends. So Shel Silverstein 
has this to say to us. Please don't tell me I should hug. Don't tell me I should care. Don't tell me just how grand I'll feel if I'd only learn to share. Don't say it's all right to cry. Be kind. Be fair. Be true. Just let me see you do it. Then I might do it too. Heavenly Father, we thank you for children. We thank you for the joy and the challenge that they bring into our lives. We thank you how they show us our own limitations in just how stingy we can be with our love and our time, our attention, actually with almost everything. Help us to do the job that you've committed to us, to be over our children, to lead them with a loving, firm, and yet consistent mix of teaching, training, and personal example. Father, help us by your grace to bring them to a maturity in Christ that will guard them as they leave our homes and enter into the world. Amen. Well, we're not quite at the halfway point in this series, but I'd like to know your thoughts. Have you discovered something new about one of these relationships we've covered so far? Your relationship with God that you are before Him. Your relationship with your husband that you are with Him. And now today, your relationship with your children that you are over them. Would you have chosen a different word? Well, I'd love for you to jump on Instagram where you'll find me at Kelly J. Grace and share in the comments what word you might have chosen or an insight that you've maybe picked up from one of these short podcasts. I pray that they're blessing you. So we've got four more coming up. And next time we'll talk about the one word that can help us discover how to relate with our extended family in the way God intended. And I'll see you then.